On this episode of EHS on Tap, we parse through the significant and recent legislative reform of the Toxic Substances Control Act, better known as TSCA, and what Congress's action will mean for the future of chemical regulation. Today, we speak with attorney and hazardous substance expert Stan Milan with the law firm Jones Walker in New Orleans about this significant legislative effort. Mr. Milan has been practicing environmental law before courts and agencies for over 40 years. He also teaches his law students the ever-evolving arena of environmental law. Welcome back to the program, Stan. Thank you. Good to be here again. This past spring, the United States Congress worked on a very important piece of legislation that for over 40 years has been an obstacle to reform. We're talking about the Toxic Substances Control Act that was adopted in 1976. The statute had yet to be amended until now. It's important to note that TSCA focuses on chemical risks, such as reproductive, developmental, neurotoxins, and carcinogens. Stan, you being the expert, could you enlighten listeners to the basics of TSCA? Yes, I'll try not to be too abstract, because what we're going to be dealing with is a, is a new statute without any particular events associated with it. But 
the Act is still with us, but it's been improved, and we'll go into the new TOSCO improvements in a little bit. But the uh, benchmark of the old statute is its chemical inventory. Uh, the statute required EPA to take an inventory of existing chemicals, and the first inventory was published between the years 79 and 82, and there were already 62,000 grandfathered chemicals on that list. Now, as we'll explain shortly, the list has grown over the years to 85,000 existing chemicals, and of those, uh, very few have flags or use restrictions. Then there are newer chemicals that are reviewed that are not yet on this list, but unless they are stopped by EPA under the old law, they, they would become existing chemicals. You mentioned, Stan, that you know there's all these chemicals, upwards of 85,000 on the Tosca inventory. Just to clarify, Tosca will not have any direct impact on the everyday consumer, right? This legislation will only impact uh, manufacturers and processors of new chemicals or chemical substances, or even those importing these substances. Well, correct. Tosca, both old and new, really is focused on industry. Uh, of course, the benefits are to consumers, uh, but and end users. But consumers are not directly involved unless, unfortunately, they're exposed to a chemical hazard, such as at a facility or from a facility. But there are other laws to protect consumers, like the Occupational Safety and Health Act regulates some indoor air pollution for workers at factories. Uh, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act regulates chemicals in uh, products. Uh, and we have tort law in case there is an injury. And, and there are several agencies that regulate chemicals under different uh, uh, benchmarks, like the EPA would regulate chemicals in floor tiles, while the FDA would regulate chemicals in cosmetics. But you're right, consumers are, aren't directly impacted by the new law, but they should benefit from it. Another important aspect of TOSCA is what is known as the pre-manufacturer notice, or PMN, which requires a company to notify the Environmental Protection Agency when there is a new use of an existing chemical or when a manufacturer or importer would like to introduce a new chemical substance into the United States. Could you, Stan, speak a little bit more about the pre-manufacturer notice and what changes are likely ahead for this requirement? Uh, okay. Um, well, old Tosca focused mainly on regulating chemicals in, let's say, two ways. One way was uh, if EPA found a chemical to have an imminent hazard, it, it could go into court and try to stop the manufacturer of that chemical through a court order, and, and of course they would need evidence to prove their case. But EPA historically did not take much action under the imminent hazard provision uh, polychlorinated biphenyls is, is one chemical that, that was impacted by the imminent hazard provisions. But the other provision that that's mainly was used to regulate chemicals entering the marketplace is the requirement that a manufacturer or processor of chemicals uh, would submit a pre-manufacturing notice to the EPA 
who would then have 90 days to review the notice to determine if the chemical uh, w was uh, safe or not. Uh, now, not every chemical is covered by the pre-manufacturing notice under this law. Uh, some chemicals are excluded, like I mentioned earlier. Drugs, that's the FDA. Tobacco, that's ATF and the FDA. Pesticides, that's the federal pesticide statute, et cetera. So there's some exclusions because other statutes regulate certain particular items. And TOSCA itself has an exemption for a small list of chemicals uh, by generic name, like chemicals that result from reactions, those that are byproducts, small quantities for research, test marketing use only. But so there are some exclusions and exemptions, but for the rest of the new chemicals in the marketplace that were coming out over the years, uh, EPA was supposed to look at this pre-manufacturing notice from the manufacturer or importer or processor, and it had limited information. Uh, the notice includes the chemical identity, the expected production volume, any products, the intended use, possible environmental releases, disposal practices, human exposure, and available test data. However, the point is companies were not required to automatically provide test data for the EPA. So OTOSCA required EPA to determine on a chemical by chemical basis with limited information in a short amount of time if a chemical may present an unreasonable risk to health or the environment. And it had to make that determination in order to pass rules or orders to restrict the production and use of the chemical. But EPA simply couldn't act within 90 days with limited information because there were gaps. Gaps in data, gaps in technology, and gaps in EPA's staff. Now, unfortunately, without EPA's active determination that a chemical may present an unreasonable risk, that chemical could be produced and became part of the existing chemical inventory. That's how the list of Tosca's inventory grew from 62,000 originally grandfathered chemicals to over 85,000 today. Uh, the burden was on EPA under old Tosca EPA had to have its own determination of unreasonable risk. And even if it made that determination, it had to justify the regulation outweighed the cost of the regulation, the benefits outweighed the, the cost. And that was a challenge for EPA to do, and in all but a few cases, it didn't meet that challenge. So we're talking about a significant burden on the EPA to sort through in a limited amount of time these new chemicals um, that enter commerce. Does the TOSCA reform change anything about the governmental burdens that are placed on the EPA? Well, uh, in several ways, yes. On, on new chemicals, EPA is given more tools and on existing chemicals, EPA is given a, a, a priority uh, task to, to review some of the old chemicals and decide anew whether they're really safe or not. Uh, so 
big difference between old TSCA and new TSCA is that TSCA reform states that EPA must review <clears throat> and affirmatively make a risk determination if a new chemical is safe. And if the information is insufficient, EPA may still impose restrictions, but that puts pressure on EPA to find a chemical is safe to not. It also puts pressures on chemical on companies now when they uh, present their notices to EPA to be more upfront with data. Uh, EPA's 90-day review pe period under old TSCA is entitled to a 90-day extension, so uh, EPA has uh, access to more information uh, and, and it can make its decisions whereas in the past it did not have enough staff to make quick decisions. So TSCA, as we know it, um, before the new TSCA regulations came out, um, has been on the books for over 40 years. How successful would you say the EPA has been in regulating the chemicals under the old TSCA regime? Well, it hasn't been very successful, and that's, that's the history which led to the amendment of TSCA that we're calling TSCA reform uh, in, in 2016. Of the 85,000 chemicals in, in, in the marketplace, EPA has only restricted about five, polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, dioxin, asbestos, <clears throat> hexavalent chromium, some, some halogens, and on new chemicals, a few like organic acids. And people who are listening may remember that uh, uh, PCBs are good for transformers. That's why they were invented. And uh, they're good at conducting electricity and are not flammable. Unfortunately, the manufacturing use and disposal practices led to PCBs uh, being spread around the environment causing contamination. Uh, but that's one of the chemicals that EPA has specific regulated um, under TSCA. Uh, another chemical is dioxin, and most people would remember the di dioxin scare at Times Beach in the 80s. Uh, hexavalent chromium, most people probably saw the movie Aaron Brockovich, in which there was a toxic tort suit brought successfully because many people were contaminated uh, by a company's uh, wanton discharges of hexavalent chromium. So uh, there have been a few success stories, but when you add the numbers versus 85,000, that's not, uh, not, being, not very promising. Plus, besides EPA's actions were slow, uh, EPA's regulation on the TOSCA was challenging because not only did EPA have to find a chemical presented an unreasonable risk, but it had to justify the regulation of that risk in a cost-benefit matter. Um, for instance, the EPA's ban on asbestos, such as use on brake pads, was set aside by the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in 1991 in the corrosion-proof fittings case because EPA did not justify its cost-benefit analysis and did not consider options other than totally banning asbestos. Um, and, and by cost-benefit, I mean the benefit of phasing out asbestos and the fact that on brake pads, for instance, 
when a car stops at an intersection, some residue may go out in the atmosphere versus <clears throat> the research and development of a better chemical for brake linings. <clears throat> that, that had to be considered and put in the equation, and EPA didn't. I, I suspect that asbestos will be one of the target chemicals under the Tosca reform. But on testing, only about 200 of the chemicals on the Tosca inventory have been tested for safety. And about 300 new chemicals have been tested for safety. So that's not, uh, that's not very impressive. Uh, and it's also important to consider that many chemicals have secret ingredients that are proprietary and fall under confidential business information. It's estimated about 20% of new chemicals are secret and their ingredients are not released to the public. And this causes some skepticism by consumers for a lack of transparency. Okay, now I want to shift a little bit and I want to talk about the role that the states play um, with Tosca. Under the previous Tosca statute, the state, states had a large role to play in regulating chemicals from entering the marketplace. In some instances, the states regulated chemicals more than the federal government. So what happens to the states with the passing of the recent Tosca reform bill? Well, you're right. Uh, states were not preempted. That's a fancy word meaning ousted from chemical regulation by old Tosca. And some states were at the forefront, like Oregon, California, Maine, Vermont, Minnesota, and Washington. California had been regulating to protect people from methylene chloride for years. That's a carcinogen in paint strippers sold in hardware stores. Maine had a ban on phthalates in four plastics. <coughs> and Washington has had a ban on flame retardant materials. Uh, well, besides states, we did have some non-government organizations such as LEAD, that stands for Leadership in Environmental and Energy Design for Green Buildings. They, they had an effective uh, in, indoor air regulation uh, through their product and material disclosure credits. In other words, credits could be awarded for low VOC materials. And credits, depending on what state or municipality you're in, can give tax benefits, but also can lead to award of lead standing, which is good public uh, interest. Uh, now, Tosca reform in 2016 does have preemption ulster provisions. New chemicals that are subject to active EPA regulation are prohibited from state regulation. And that provision on preemption is what attracted industry to support Tosca reform. States are no longer free to regulate in a patch quill fashion all new chemicals, so all chemicals. Um, but EPA has to be taking action on the chemicals to preempt the states. Now, there are some state laws that are saved. There are some grandfathering provisions for laws before 2016 or prior enforcement actions by states. And other state laws are not prevented, like the state might have a reporting requirement or a state may have a law under another statute like the Clean Water Act, or a state may have a law that covers risks 
that EPA didn't consider. So there are some exceptions. The most notable one is a, a state applying to EPA for a waiver of its law, which can be granted. But you're right, uh, the, the new law thrust is EPA is going to be the primary source of new chemical regulation in this country, and states are being relegated to a smaller role. NGOs can still have some role because they're not automatically ousted, but their role was always pretty small. That's interesting, Stan. And then I know you've touched on some of the changes that are coming um, or that are in place now with the new Tosca reform. What are, can you discuss a few of the other significant changes that we will see um, with the new Tosca reform bill? Yes, okay. The, the reform bill is known as the Tosca Modernization Act of 2015, even though it was signed in 2016. Um, it, it, improves EPA's power over chemicals, basically. Uh, here are some, and I don't want to make it sound too abstract because uh, we're dealing with a statute, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, old TOSCA require EPA to consider cost before regulating chemicals actively, and we discussed that with asbestos. TOSCA reform eliminates cost and other non-risk considerations from EPA review. So EPA will have more latitude in regulation of chemicals that it sounds to be uh, a risk to the environment. Uh, let's see, and the statute has uh, a, actually a schedule of activity for EPA uh, to take on this task. And to put it in retrospect again, the new law has three ways that EPA can regulate uh, chemicals. Uh, one way for new chemicals is the pre-manufacturing notice. Uh, and we've talked about that. EPA doesn't have to consider costs, and it, it can ask for test data. It has more clout than before. So it should make progress on new chemicals. Uh, it also has the imminent hazard provision if it has to go to court for a particularly risky chemical and get a response quick. But the newest part of TOSCA is the TOSCA work plan that EPA actually composed in 2014, which Congress is, focuses on for a schedule of events. Uh, for instance, EPA, and this deals mainly with existing chemicals, so they don't, even though they escape active regulation before, most, many won't escape regulation in the future through this new process from TOSCA reform. So by December 2016, EPA must designate 10 high-priority and 10 low-priority existing chemicals from that TOSCA list. Now, high-priority means EPA has to undertake a risk assessment of the chemical, and that's mostly scientific with test data that has garnered attention over the years, and that should be a scientific determination on the risk of a chemical or not. And if the chemical is determined from this high priority list to create an unreasonable risk, then besides the risk assessment, within a period of time, a deadline, EPA must write a risk management decision which deals with the continued use of the ability to produce that chemical. So a low priority chemical 
chemical, on the other hand, means that the chemical can be introduced into or remained in commerce. Uh, within 3.5 years, the EPA must have 20 ongoing risk assessments in place. Uh, the statute also has deadlines for EPA to develop a work plan, publish annual goals and, and timetables. The EPA must also develop policies, procedures, and guidance with two years that are necessary to carry out the safety standards of the Act. So there's a great many mandates for EPA to act, but now bear in mind this is focused on the Tosco work plan for chemicals. Uh, it was originally prepared in 2014 and can be updated, of course, but there's really only 90 chemicals on that list that are subject to this current prioritization mandate. More could be added, but my point is it, it may take a decade for EPA to work through those 90, and 90 is far short of 85,000. Uh, but the TOSCA work plan it, it was a screening process. It's a screening process for scientists to go over the list of chemicals and pick out those that are most suspect of requiring further study. So it's not like they just picked 90 out of 85,000 randomly. They picked 90 that, was that were most susceptible to need further study. Um, but EPA's task will go on for many years in the future. It's not an overnight success, but it's, it's an improvement over what we had. Um, EPA cannot remain passive. And you might, might ask, well, there's a lot of deadlines and regulations and, and decisions EPS has to make under the statute. What if it just gets bogged down again? Well, there are citizen suit provisions in the statute, and, and some people call them deadline suits. So if a particular interest group feels EPA is chirping their duty on a particular chemical or group of chemicals, they can go into court and say this chemical should not be low priority, it should be high priority. Or EPA is missing deadlines in risk assessment or risk management regulations, and the court can order EPA to comply with the uh, statutory deadlines by Congress. So there, there's some teeth behind behind this. Uh, now, also, one might ask, how is EPA going to fund all this? Because they're going to they still have lots of chemicals to look at. Uh, they're going to be getting more information from manufacturers and importers and processors, but they got to look at it. Uh, well, the law also allows EPA to collect uh, user fees. Uh, up to $25 million a year for manufacturers and processors so that it can hire laboratories and enough scientists to review the data that's submitting and to make these uh, judgment calls about uh, risk and draft and proposed regulations and so forth. So EPA is getting more funding to do the job under TSCA and more power to do the job under TSCA as amended that it had in 1976 going forward until last month. Also, to, to bring this question to light, I've been thinking about this. Does the Tosca reform bill do anything to ease the skeptical consumer's mind 
and offer more transparency of chemicals? Can the public actually get involved in this process? Um, you mentioned earlier the lack of transparency when it comes to secret chemical ingredients or formulas that may fall under confidential business information. Is there anything that you could add to maybe um, to what you've already said about the significant changes with Tosca reform that might that the EPA might be doing to help uh, increase transparency in this uh, process? Well, that's a matter of opinion. Certainly, it's made some improvements, but in my opinion, not not greatly. Confidential ingredients still may remain secret from the public, but the companies that claim confidentiality must reapply to EPA and substantiate uh, their secrets to maintain confidentiality. In other words, confidentiality means the EPA and its staff and its scientists can look at the formulas and the uh, chemical processes involved, but the public can't. Uh, The companies must demonstrate to EPA that disclosing their formulas and chemical processes now, not mere safety test data, but the actual formula and chemical processes would do them competitive harm. So they have a standard to meet. And there's a 10-year limit now on their claim for confidentiality, but uh, extensions are possible for another 10 years. And companies, if they're denied confidentiality by EPA, can also appeal in court uh, to try to have the court declare EPA must treat their processes Uh, as confidential. But nevertheless, this is certainly a step toward transparency and still allows companies to uh, a procedure to maintain their secrets, trade secrets. So up until now, we've been talking about the significant changes that have come with the Tosca reform bill. Is there anything that uh, the reform bill did not change? Well, uh, yes, uh, TOSCA had been amended over the years for specific programs, and TOSCA had some reporting requirements, for instance, and those didn't change. For instance, uh, on the reporting requirement, there's a requirement for uh, manufacturers and processes of chemicals to report adverse human reactions to the use of the chemicals. I once worked at an aerospace facility, and they processed chemicals, and they had an occupational doctor on board, and if someone had an allergy or reaction to use of solvent mixtures over time, that's one of the things that would get reported to EPA, and that goes into a, a database of information that they would use over the years. I don't know what much they could do about it historically, but certainly with these, with the new statute, that data is relevant to future decisions. <clears throat> Tosca also has a program for lead-based paint reduction. That's still on the books. It has a big program for asbestos abatement in public buildings like schools. That's still on the books. It has standards for formaldehyde and wood products. That's still on the books. It has a radon remediation program that's mainly informational. That's still on the books. And they have another big program on PCB, a polyfluorobiphenol remediation, because the chemicals have, those chemicals have spilled in the environment over years and 
uh, EPA has written regulations under old Tosca to uh, uh, clean up the environment from uh, these PCBs. So uh, those, there's a number of programs that uh, have existed under Tosca that have in individual benefits uh, aside from the regulation of chemicals in general that we've been discussing under new Tosca. So to me, it appears in the long run, we'll have more protection to the public from chemicals, and this will also have the side effect of creating more jobs for regulators, for risk analysts and chemists, and we'll have more government fees and possibly more government penalties for violations of the law against industry. And of course, we'll see what the cost to industry will be with all this compliance effort that's unfolding as we speak. TOSPA reform is very interesting for those that have been following it for the last year um, as it's progressed through Congress and now to the EPA. Well, we are out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank you, Stan, as always, for your pinpoint expertise um, on the matter. Uh, if listeners would like to follow up with Stan, he can be reached at his uh, email address is smillan, S-M-I-L-L-A-N, at joneswalker.com. And this podcast was brought to you by BLR. And thanks for listening, everyone.